my mom called me and uh, she goes, you know, your father and I, we've been praying for you and we really hope that you find a nice girl. We're believing that you're going to find a nice girl. And, you know, I just had to tell you, you have this thing where you really love these exotic women. But I have to tell you, Andrew, these exotic women tend to come with exotic problems. <laughs> In my past relationship, what led up to the toxicity explosion, so to speak, that ended the relationship, as many do, were no boundaries. Yeah. No boundaries. Zero boundaries, which is zero super boundaries. Very unhealthy, and it's one of the leading causes of toxicity in a relationship. Yeah. So what is the victim triangle? I'll do the first one, which is uh, the bottom left of the corner, and for those that are going to see the victim triangle, um, and that's the rescuer. Uh, these are people that spend their entire life helping the world, help everyone else but themselves. It's like they're always putting themselves last. The problem also with rescuing is when you're spending so much time with other people, pouring, 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 and you have an empty cup, you will always be depleted. You will be depleted. And that's when you move to the victim, right? Okay. So now we've transitioned into the victim because we're depleted. Okay. So if you're a victim and you're constantly blaming other people and externalizing the problems onto everyone else, now you've transitioned into the persecutor, right? Now you start to persecute. Yeah. So, this so it's an addiction. It is an addiction. It is definitely an addiction. So how can someone go about setting a healthy boundary, that healthy boundary? Because you could set one, but what I've found oftentimes is people will set a boundary, not uphold it, and now they look even weaker. What's up, fam? My name's Andrew Lorringer, and this is the Planted Moves Podcast. Planted Moves was created for those looking to better themselves and become their greatest version by discerning clear vision, pursuing higher purpose, and staying grounded in faith on the road to success. Welcome to Planted Moves. Welcome, everyone, to Planted Moves. I'm so excited to be joined today by my good friends uh, and family, Danya and Monica, um, from Awakening of the Heart, from uh, Tapestry of the Heart, the center in uh, Homestead. We have had an incredible, incredible journey so far, and uh, we're only halfway through. <laughs> well, a little bit over halfway at this point. The reason that this is even a thing is because of your input and your help through my healing process. And, uh, you know, when I met you, Danya, I was in like a very, very broken, broken place. It's just so interesting to see how like some of the most beautiful things can come out of some of the most broken places. Yes. Um, and how like everything that we've been through is really happened for us, not to us, so that it could lead us into the next venture or the next endeavor exactly. of our existence. Exactly. You could so. take life and learn from it or you could become a, you can become a victim. Absolutely. So, yeah, I'd love to... Um, First of all, introduce each of yourselves, um, and then I kind of want to go into like a little bit of a story about how I found the center. Okay. Um, and then maybe we could go over a couple of things to help people uh, so they get a little bit of value out of this session. Uh, and I definitely don't think we can cover everything today, so we're going to have to do another one for sure. <laughs> so awesome. It's too much. <laughs> well, we'll start with you, Danya. Okay. So uh, my name is Danya Lane, uh, and uh, I am co-founder of Tapestry of the Heart. Um, I met Drew about two years ago, was it? A little over a year ago. And uh, this is not the same person that walked into my office. Um, he's done an incredible work. He's done incredible work. He's still doing an incredible, incredible work. Um, and many beautiful things happen at the center and at the office. A lot of healing takes place. A lot of healing, beautiful healing. Yeah. I am Monica Viamonte. Um I am also co-founder of Tapestry of the Heart, and I'm so happy to be here, Drew. Thank you for creating this space for us. And Absolutely. It has been an honor to witness your transformation, your growth. Thank you. Amazing, amazing man you are. So thank you. Thank you for creating this space for us to talk about what we have done and what we have been creating. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I can say that my journey has been tremendously impacted by the center, and obviously the center wouldn't exist without you two. Um, so I'm very grateful for your impact in my life and for the center as a whole, just like everything that you've created. Um, so I think, you know, one of the things I would like to start with was when I first found the center, it was um, because of a place in my life where I was at that moment, like tremendously broken. <laughs> I had just gotten out of a very toxic relationship. Um, you know, she was in jail. I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And I was really broken because everything that I felt like we had built ended in a heartbeat. And 
you know, I was kind of lost and I was still talking to women and doing all these different things. And one of the women that I was talking to led me to the center and I, I, whether or not she could just see like this guy's got some messed up stuff going on. But regardless of what happened, um, she brought me to the center for the vision board party. Yes. And uh, it was at that vision board party that I really was like, I, I felt the energy in the place. And I was like, wow, there's something just special about this. I want to find out more. I want to be a part of it. Yes. And uh, through my journey, I ended up seeing you, Danya, for like one-on-one therapy right. and consulting and coaching. Uh, and we did a lot of work. But then like the step further was to go to letting go which we'll touch base on, and you actually have one of those coming up. Yes. So we actually have two of those coming up two of those. in August. Okay. Um, and this is a beautiful weekend, transformational weekend, where you get to let go of whatever it is that is no longer serving you. Yeah. Um, and I think that one thing that I always, at least for myself and I tell the clients and the groups and everything, uh, in order for you to really transform and really you got to know who you are. Yeah. And because we, a lot of people say like, oh my God, I have all these voices in my head and I don't know what to do with this. And they don't even have a relationship with themselves. So there's some, those voices are parts of you. So if you don't really dig inside and learn about them and have a relationship with them, like you would just go through life with like survival mode. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you can, we could go into an entire episode or two or three episodes yes. about that, <laughs> that topic alone, because I mean, going into shadow work, oh, it took us, favorite. it took us what, 12 months of therapy okay. and seven months at the center to even touch on uh-huh. shadows. And it happened to be one of the most impactful parts, in my opinion, it is. It is. because we have so many shadows and these are all what, like basically little children, yes. um, who were impacted by some certain event within our lives. And if we don't understand them and get to know them, they'll come out without us even knowing and they'll take control. We'll take full control. And, right. and you see that a lot um, when people get angry yeah. and when people get triggered, immediately one of those shadows takes over. And so that's a, that's a good topic for another day. Yeah, that could definitely take <laughs> a, a little, I little complex. But anyway, just, just to also understand a lot of people have a little sometimes resistance about healing the past mm-hmm. or why bring up the past and... If you don't heal the past, the past takes over. I was like that too. I didn't want to yes. talk about the past. Exactly. I was like, let's just bury it deep away. Yes. Because if it's deep and buried, then I don't have to think about it. Yes. But the problem is that your subconscious still recognizes it. Exactly. And it, it comes out every time it's triggered. It keeps repeating. It keeps yeah. repeating. That's the thing. It keeps repeating what you have learned. Yeah. And it and it, the past has so many gifts. Yeah. Right? Um, it's a huge gift. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that are like, dating there i've heard the saying where they're like i keep dating the same person over and over again in a different phase yes or i keep having the same experiences over and over again with different people yeah. and that's because you haven't learned your lesson and if you don't learn your lesson the same experiences different phases is going to continue to appear yeah no and one thing that is it's important because it's not in the cognitive mind for me, for us, at least what we teach, going back to the past, like you said, it is in the subconscious mind because you can, the rational mind has carries only 10%. So you can try to figure things out in your mind or read books and talk and talk and talk. And, and, and at that level, very little can really um, can change. Yeah. That's why a lot of people, they do at that level and they keep attracting the same because they're not really changing well, I, I think that's one of the downfalls of talk therapy. Yes. You know, because the type of therapy that we do is it's some type of subconscious. How do you for sure? How do you describe it? It is subconscious. It is it's all subconscious. The subconscious yeah. type of hypnotherapy, so to speak. Heart centered hypnotherapy. Heart centered hypnotherapy is how you describe it. Yes. Bad. Yeah, because um, you know, before I had been seeing uh, talk therapists where you just go and talk about your stuff and they listen and they regurgitate and it doesn't really ever end up in true healing. I mean, it can help to get things off of your chest, yes. but if you're not doing the work, which comes from the right. heart-centered hypnotherapy. Right. And, I, and I, do, I do believe that all therapy helps, um, but when it comes to deep emotional work, when you go to a one-on-one like talk therapy, it's like putting a Band-Aid on a wound. Dress it up, you clean it, but the pus is still there. And so when you go into the subconscious, that's where the pus is. We go in there and remove it in a loving, gentle way. That's why it's called heart-centered hypnotherapy. It doesn't have to be um, so painful or so traumatic. Yeah. And, and also that when you when you even think of, I can tell like Drew will go to the mirror 
10 times a day, 50 times a day and say, I'm just successful man and I'm handsome and I'm, and I'm all the good things, which is awesome because it's positive. It's not, I'm not saying it's, it's bad, but it's, if inside of you, oh, the, there is a uh, little boy that have learned, have learned exactly the opposite and it feels the opposite, feels not good enough, feels that it's failing in life. That's the one that will attract situations and people to continue to vibrate and, and, and behave at the same, the same way. So yeah, the power of the mind, the power of the mind, but has a limited. Right? So the, the first step would be to heal the little boy or little girl, right? To go into the subconscious and figure out why exactly. they believe a certain thing, whether it's, I'm not worthy, I'm not lovable, I'm not good enough, I'm a failure. I mean, why they behave a certain way. Very important. Because there's the behavior and then there's the belief. Exactly. Right. And so you go in and you attack the belief, you rewire the behavior, exactly. and then you can go into the mirror and you can talk your affirmations because now you've gotten to the root of the problem, fixed it, healed it, and now you can rewire the subconscious. Exactly. And it's constant because you're also always uh, helping that little boy talking to him, taking from that dark place to a better place to where you are right now, to your present, right? And that's, that's, that's really where it starts transforming. That's the deep healing. The deep yeah, healing. that's great. Well, I think, you know, these are all obviously very high-level topics um, or concepts for a lot of people. And uh, what I'd like to do is kind of like break down what's one specific thing that someone could hear today and they could say, okay, I can understand that topic and it can probably resonate with them in their daily life. Right. Um, and I think for me, one of those might be, obviously shadows is huge. We don't have time for shadows. So that's going to take, Yes. that's, that's, a, that's a whole yes. episode and a half. Uh, but I think the, the victim triangle yes. is huge. So would one of you mind explaining what the victim triangle is? Yeah. And the victim triangle has um, a few names. One of them is the victim triangle. The other one is a drama triangle. Mm. Um, and no, our codependence right? Or codependent. Or the codependent triangle. And that's where I was when I met you guys. I was a heavy codependent. Yes. And so it's really interesting because in my relationships and in my life, I had kept attracting narcissists. Yes. And I think what happens is most codependents, they attract narcissists into their lives and they don't understand why. Every person I date is a narcissist. They're always doing this to me. They're always doing that to me. I keep getting myself in these situations of codependency and it all goes back to the triangle. Well, it goes back to your childhood. To the childhood, to your yeah. Childhood. And we learned those roles, on the, those, the, the three corners very early. And nobody taught us. It's not like, oh, this is how you become a victim or a rescuer. No, you just observing, just taking notes subconsciously, taking notes, learned by the dynamics of your family of origin, how, how to even repeat that yep. or adult life. So, so what is the victim triangle? So... Yeah, so we can we can talk about the corners. I think yes, that's yeah. And I think what we'll do is we'll put something up on the screen for people so they can see the victim triangle as you're describing it. That's perfect. So I'll, I'll do the first one, which is uh, the bottom left of the corner for those that are going to see the victim triangle, um, and that's the rescuer. Uh, these are people that spend their entire life helping the world, help everyone else but themselves. It's like they're always putting themselves last. Um, you know, they run and open doors without people asking uh, for them to open the door. Uh, they have friends that they are always helping, um, and they do this not to uh, focus their attention on them, um, not to um, to have to deal with whatever it is that they're feeling, and so they spend their whole life rescuing others. Well, perhaps not intentionally. No, and that's what I like. The the thing is that as as long as you're fixing people's problems, as long as you are distracted with uh, people's drama, you don't have to deal with yours. It's it is a it is subconscious a way to distract yourself like Dana said from your own things because then you're too preoccupied and too busy dealing with so many things that you don't even look at yourself. Well, the noise inside is big, but it gets um, it gets quieter as I am dealing with other people. It's a lot of noise to deal with, but it's not my own. Yeah, and so I, that's I what the rescuer does. Yeah. But the problem also with rescuing is when you're spending so much time with other people, pouring, 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 and you have an empty cup, you that's will it. always be depleted. You will be depleted. And that's when you move to the victim, right? Okay. So now we've transitioned into the victim because yeah. we're depleted. Yeah. Because you you spend so much energy, so much time, and you feel, you start feeling like, oh my God, only, only, why only me? Why do I always give 
so much? Why do I, why don't I get in return? And it's like, oh my God, I'm so tired and I'm exhausted. I, I'm like, it is all poor me. Feeling starts, you know, this hopeless and helpless. Like I'm, al I'm alone really in the world because I'm only the one doing everything. Wow. That's, that's when the victim kicks in. And it's a very paralyzing energy and feeling because you feel like, okay, what do I do here? I don't even know how to move from here. Yeah. What is the purpose of life? And so the victim believes that everything is happening to them. Oh, right? sure. And they're there, you know, it's, it's, it's not really their responsibility as everybody else's. Oh, my gosh. You know, I can't believe I'm late. Oh, it's traffic's fault. Is my partner's fault? It's everybody else's fault. But you're wrong. Wow. Yeah. That that victim is always pointing to somebody. You know, when you point to someone, one figure is pointing to someone. The three others is pointing to yourself. But you don't want to see that because at that level, you're just really pointing to blame other people and make them responsible for who you are. Yeah. So if you're a victim and you're constantly blaming other people and externalizing the problems onto everyone else, now you've transitioned into the persecutor right now you start to persecute so the persecutor but there's there's a, a, a like for me there's a like a shift on what yeah. did you move to the persecutors which is when you uh, go back to the rescue a little bit when you rescue even if you go you say like oh i'm doing with with the, my heart i i i i'm doing from the good of my heart and because i'm not selfish i love to help people there is subconscious expectations Okay, especially so let's say if you were helping so much people and giving advices, you are subconsciously expecting that they do what you are advising them to do. So there is a shift to the persecutors when, when people don't respond the way you expected or if they don't give at the same level that you gave, that's when you first to the persecution. And the persecutor has another name also, which is a judge, right? Because persecutors judge. And it doesn't have to be just verbal. Just giving someone a silent treatment is persecuting. Wow. Right? So you don't do what I want you to do or what I gave you advice on, so I'm not going to speak to you for a week. Wow. And it's interesting because after a week you don't speak to this person because you're so angry, then you start to think, well, you know, my friend, they're such good friends, and it was just a one-time thing. And then you start calling them again and hear you again, around again the circle. Wow. Go back to the rescuer. And it's amazing how if you just notice the different, the different energy, the different behavior, because the rescuer begins with all this full force of helping and the goodness and everything. And then all of a sudden it's like, ah, oh, like only me, the victim paralyzes and like oh. only me, only me. And then when you get angry, the persecutor, the judge is angry. Yes. Like, even though it's a silent treatment, you are angry and you're like, oh my God, these people, they don't do what I tell them to do or. You know, I, they don't, when I need help, they don't help me. It's always just, the motive is like, yeah. is higher. But is, then you go back to the rescue because you're like, you're in the light, you ended up missing that cycle. Like, let me do this again. Let's go yeah. into this. Cycle. So it's an addiction. It is an it addiction. Is, it is definitely an addiction. And we are predominantly um, more one than the other. Um, when I first started to learn about the victim triangle, I recognized I would step into the triangle more through the rescuer than any of the other two. Um, but once you're in there, you're all of them. And it's called the victim triangle because every corner has victim energy. You're not really taking responsibility and there are no clear boundaries. Wow. Very unhealthy way of living. Um, and it's like a game that we play where everyone loses. There are zero winners. And there's also, you know, the victim triangle not only has to apply to external relationships, uh, but one of the things that you mentioned in the center that was impactful is you could actually be participating in the victim triangle with yourself. Oh, for sure. All day. You don't all need day. anyone to do this. <laughs> all day. You can do it. It's all in your brain. Think, all day. Think of like when you decide to do a, to go on a diet, right? And you're like so full of energy and I'm, yeah. I'm going to do anything. I'm just going to eat healthy and whatever. And you just prepare all this preparation. You plan for it and then you're so well. And then all of a sudden, then you had like a very, very stressful day and you get home like super stressful and you're like, oh my God, I feel so tired and exhausted. Oh, poor me. I really deserve to have some cookies tonight mm. or a glass of wine. And then you go and you rescue yourself and then you do that. And then the next thing you're like persecuting Judging yourself. yourself. Like, why did I why do did this? Why, how stupid I am to do this again? And, and you just, 
It's just, it's just drama wow. all the time. The triangle is pure drama, chaos. Yes. Yes. And it's, it's caused- There's a lot of people that thrive in this drama. environment yes. because it's their addictive nature. Miami is so dramatic. I can only imagine how many people will resonate with this message here. Yes. <laughs> you know, the victim triangle, um, it, it's definitely dra drama. Yeah. Um, but like we had previously said, there's so much victim energy in, in each corner. And when you are in one of the corners, let's say I'm a rescuer, I'm going to attract all the victims and persecutors wow. because I need them to play those roles. Wow. If I'm a victim, I'm going to attract, you know, the other two. And if I'm a persecutor, I'm going to attract the rescuers and the victims. That's just the way it works. Wow. It's a game. It is a game play. Yeah. And, and it's interesting, like with the relationships also, how with one relationship I can start as a rescuer and the person is a victim, let's say... I'm trying to fix all the problems and everything. And then all of a sudden, if the person starts ignoring me, then I become the victim. Wow. And that person become the persecution. So it changes. The, the corner changes as the relationship goes. But essentially, it's a continuation of a toxic cycle. Yeah, sure. Right? And it's a familiar cycle. It's a familiar cycle. So a lot of this, all of it really goes back to childhood. Right? I feel it. So you may have grown up in a environment where this cycle was happening and nobody was aware of it. Oh, for sure. And so this is something that is a common theme to you moving forward because you're perpetuating a cycle that you became accustomed to and familiar with through your childhood experience. And, and even in the womb. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Especially in the womb. <laughs> yeah, because let's imagine that you, you that a, mo a mother in the pregnancy that has a very stressful pregnancy or a very abusive relationship with the, with the husband. Whatever it is, there's a lot of drama going on and a lot of stress. So the baby at that time feeling all this stress, because remember, there's no uh, boundary between the mother and the baby when the, the baby's in the womb. So everything the mother experiencing, the baby experiences. So all this stress that the mother is going is, is being given, absorbing by the, by the baby on their bodies as the body developed. So the, the baby many times says like, okay, it's not cognitive, but it's it's like okay, my mom's a lot of stress right now, and I need to stay quiet and not to too much and not to be one more burden in her life. And then a lot of times that baby is born with the contract to make the mother happy. Wow. Yeah, and that becomes like an imprint in the baby's body, and so the baby's born, and here's the big rescuer, wow. all rescuing all her life and not understanding why. And they're attracting to themselves persecutors, Absinctive victims. Days. Absolutely. Do you want to talk a little bit of how rescuers are big manipulators? Oh, yes. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, tell me about that. Yes. Because if I rescue you, then you owe me, right? And if, and if I do something for you, then I'm going to expect for you to do something in return for me later. And that's the difference, which is what I was going to say when I lost my thought. The difference between rescuing and helping is that... Um, when you help someone, you help from your heart without expecting anything in return, not even a thank you. Let's say you open the door for someone. Unconditional. You open the door for someone and you're just doing it because you're a nice person. Whether they say thank you or not, that's on them, has nothing to do with you. Actually, yeah, that's a great point. Let's use that exact example. So you open the door for someone if you're stuck in the triangle, expecting a thank you. And when they don't say thank you, that... Yes. You get all upset. They're I can't yes. believe it. They didn't. And now you just spend the next 15, 20 minutes yeah. upset because someone didn't say thank you. And who's upset? Now you're upset. You're upset. Yeah. yeah. Because now you victimized yourself because you were rescuing with an expectation. Exactly. The other day I was walking and and then I I, I was going to cross the street and the, the, the car stopped and then I crossed the street and the guy opened the window and said, you are welcome. I'm like, wow, you know, like that's what it is. Like he was like, like you're supposed to stop for pedestrians. I just, I just pedestrians have the white right away. Like, oh, they should be stopping anyway. And you know, what if she had a thousand things on her mind? Oh, she, she did not wake up that day with, you know, to go out and piss someone off. Or let's say someone cuts you off in the street. Without, I'm sure they did not get up that morning to say, you know what, I'm going to go and cut Drew off today. It, it's well, that was a big thing when I met you. Nice. And if you remember, there were several sessions yes. that we had where I was dealing with serious road rage. Yes. Um, and I remember what, several actually, I remember one incident in particular, I literally had just left your office yes. after we had therapy and I got cut off nasty by somebody on the way home. Mm -hmm. And I was so pissed, I chased this guy down and I pull up in front of him and I got out of the car and I'm like screaming at the guy. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm like, I didn't think about it until afterwards. First of all, I'm, I'm persecuting the guy because I felt victimized, right? Yeah. And then when I got out of the car, I started screaming. And then I felt bad afterwards when I get back in the car and I'm driving back home. And then now all of a sudden I'm like, again, a victim, yes. right? And now I'm like trying to rescue myself. Right in your brain. And this guy could have had a family emergency. Yeah. I mean, God knows, right? So I assure you, he didn't go out that day to say, I'm going to cut Drew off. Yeah. Right. And so things happen. I mean, you're, you know, in life, I'm sure you've cut somebody off, you know, not meaning to, but. Well, it's also very selfish to believe that every other, everybody else's behavior has anything to do with you anyways. Absolutely. But that's the other thing with the rescuers, because they, and although sometimes they are super gentle and super like, they, like, they look so peaceful because they're so good and everything, they, that validation, but they, they control everything. Yes. Wow. They're the controllers. They control. They have a need because everything has to go exactly the way they think it has to. Mm. That's the that's the controlling part of the rescue. You know, I heard something. I was actually listening to a gentleman named Tim Fletcher, who has done a lot of work on narcissism and codependency. And so one of the things that he mentioned was narcissists and codependents actually have very much huge similarities in nature. But the narcissist typically, and it's all like based in shame, right? So this is all shame-based from incidents that happened in the in childhood, which we talk about in the center all the time. One of them internalizes all the shame, yep. and one of them externalizes all the shame. Yep. And so, you know, one of the things that we've spoken about is a codependent can also technically, and people might get offended by this, be considered a co-narcissist because there are certain similarities in nature where it's they're doing things with an expectation, which is a form of manipulation, it is. which is why I always believe that the nice guy finishes last. And it's not that you should be a nice, nice guy. You should be a nice man. You should be a good man. Yes. Because if you're being a nice guy and you're always trying to rescue and you're always trying to do things for other people, but you're doing it from a place of manipulation because you're expecting something in return, exactly. then you're not really a nice guy. Right. And a lot of times it's because people think that if you, because the ideal is for you to put yourself first. Yeah. And, you know, we were taught as children that that's selfish. Mm. You put yourself first, that's selfish. And, you know... It isn't. It's called selfless. Now, there is a fine line between selfless and selfish. But I'll give you a good example that I always give in the center, and that's when you go fly on an airplane, they tell you if there's an emergency and the air mask comes down, put it on yourself first, then you can help others. Because if you don't do that, you're going to die. You can't help others. You can't help anyone, right? So that's the same way that it works. So help yourself first so that you can help others. If you feel happy, if you feel fulfilled, that is the best way to help others. Yeah, but that's the thing, the rescuers, since they don't feel that ha- happy and fulfilled with right. themselves, they're always searching and, and giving that power to someone to make me feel the way. Right. Wow. So now that validation that the rescuer subconsciously is always seeking is like, if I do this all good, all these good things, I'm going to be acknowledged, I'm going to yeah. be validated, I'm such a good person. So it. That validation always comes from outside, not from inside. Not from inside, yeah. It's not from a real place. Somebody else. Yeah. So that's... I'm sorry. You'll never be happy if you're looking for validation out there. Inside, no. It has to come, it has to come up first. It has to come from within. And that's from self-love, self-acceptance, yes. and mm-hmm. the belief that I am worthy and I'm good enough. Because if I'm worthy and good enough, exactly. then I can give to others from a good place. And that comes with full understanding of who you are yeah. and what you are and why you're here on this earth. Why are you here? But I have a lot of compassion, especially people that are always because, you know, think of that, the juggler, the one that is always like trying to juggle so many things. That's what the rescuer does. And, and they have, they carry so much fear that if, if they, if they'll continue to do that, to do that, things are going to fall apart. Wow. You know, the control part comes from like, I have to continue to do this. So th- because the belief behind is things will fall apart if it's not done exactly this way. Oh, and it, it is exhausting. It is exhausting. Just explaining it is exhausting. It's very sad. I love where the topic is going and where the conversation is going. Um, but I think, you know, we did a great job of explaining the victim triangle. Right. What's one of the ways that people can get out of the victim triangle? Because a lot of people desire to get out of the triangle. And this could be the first time that they're even becoming aware that there is a victim triangle right. and that they're even participating in it. Yeah. Well, every corner, there's a way to, to get out of there. And it's and it's practice, right? We always say yeah. practice makes permanent because if you practice something different, how are we going to get out of 
pattern that you have learned your whole life. But one of the re one of the ways is understanding that if you don't create boundaries, healthy boundaries, without saying persecution, thinking the adult part of you knowing, okay, this is not good for me. Maybe I'm not, not going to do this because I just don't feel that I, I wanted to do. It's thinking of yourself first mm -hmm. and then saying no to somebody like, no, I can't today. I'm sorry. Or whatever it is. Has healthy boundaries is major way to get out of there because the triangle, the victim triangle has no boundaries at all. Wow. Everybody's doing everything at the same. I mean, there's no, it's just massive chaos. And yeah. when you start putting boundaries, you start stepping out of there right. for sure. So that one of the ways, and it seems so simple in, in the, in a way, I think it is, but it's, it is a complex subject for sure. We can talk about healthy boundaries yeah. only yeah. in another subject, but we can talk about unhealthy boundaries yeah. and healthy boundaries yeah. because there's a liberal we're talking like we have a, a certain yeah. Oh, and I think that's huge because in my past relationship, what led up to the toxicity explosion, so to speak, that ended the relationship as many do were no boundaries, yeah. no boundaries, Zero boundaries, which is Zero super boundaries. Unhealthy very unhealthy and it's one of the leading causes of toxicity in a relationship. Yeah. So how can someone go about setting a healthy boundary and then more importantly, upholding that healthy boundary? Cause you could set one, but what I've found oftentimes is people will set a boundary, not uphold it. And now they look even weaker. Yeah. So, you know, um, healthy boundaries is, it could be so simple, right? Number one, you have to understand that you're 100% responsible for what you create. And that means you're also responsible for your feelings. So, you know, if someone uh, makes a gesture that upsets you, let's say someone rolls her eyes, um, if you tell them, you know, you really piss me off doing that, you're giving away your power. You're not responsible for your feelings there because you're giving them away. You're telling them that they did this to you. But if you say, you know, when you roll your eyes, I feel anger or I feel triggered or I feel upset and I need you not to do that anymore. Beautiful way of setting a boundary. You know, when you said so-and-so to me, I didn't like that. I, you know, my feelings were hurt, so I need you not to do that. And just continue to, to say the boundaries. Sometimes we need to walk away from people if they don't respect our boundaries. Huge. Yeah, that is huge. Well, yeah. because the thing is, if someone doesn't respect your boundaries, then they don't respect you. And I think that a boundary is a good way of testing someone. Absolutely. Right? Now, I think what a lot of people, especially if they're unfamiliar with setting boundaries or they've never even done it before, one of the things, at least, you know, when when I first started setting boundaries was a fear of if I set the boundary, they'll leave. Right. When you decide to practice stepping out of these, there is, you know, you have to be very aware because when you start saying no to people and no, it's a sentence itself. No. Yeah. Right. So we, when you start saying no, the person that was in the other side of that dance, that was so used with you resolving all the problems, and you say, you start creating that boundary, that person might start guilting. You know, the guilt trip, Persecute. like persecute. Persecute. What, what are you doing now? Like yeah. what's happening to you now? You just, oh, well, you always let this happen yeah. before. Or the, 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 the classic one is for start therapy, <laughs> at least with our clients. Like, and I'm sure you also got like, we both, oh, this is bullshit from your therapist. So this is the work that you're doing. This is all this cult thing that you're doing now yeah. that you're becoming this person that says no to everything. It's amazing that the guilt trip. Wow. And then if you don't stand strong. Well, we've had people leave. Oh, for sure. And, you know, I'm assuming that some of that's going on at home. Yes, absolutely. Sure. For sure. Absolutely. So it's it's standing the ground and, you know, working through your feelings and what's happening, hopefully in therapy if you can or on a group set, setting, that you can stand stand up for yourself and then see that this doesn't serve you anymore. Yeah. And if the person is, is right for you, they're going to stick around and they're going to learn to respect your boundaries. And, you know, more important or just as important is that when you start to set boundaries, you're actually teaching them how to speak nicely and set boundaries. Because you can get into a fighting match, into a screaming match, or you can just say, you know, when you do that, I get really triggered and I need you to stop. Yeah. You know how nice is that? It's a dance. Yeah, we, we, it's like dancing. Both are, are dancing with the steps that we know, a, a tango, a tango or a samba or a salsa. They all know that when you step out of it, there is a, the other person is like, what step is that? I don't recognize this dance. Hey, come back here, dance this dance with me, cause that one I don't I don't like it. Wow. And then they and they will keep you try to bring you back to the dance. And if you're like, maybe they will learn a new dance with you. Absolutely. Or maybe they will leave the dance. I don't know. There's yeah. many scenarios that can happen, but stay stuck. 
on an unhealthy, chaotic, toxic dance. Yeah. Well, I think you're doing yourself a huge favor if they do leave. Absolutely. Because by setting the boundary, had you not set the boundary, you'd continue to be in this toxic cycle. Exactly. The person would have never left if they weren't meant for you. They would have stayed in the cycle with you. Oh, for sure. And at least by setting the boundary, them not upholding it, and either you telling them to leave or them making the decision to leave, now you've rid yourself of a problem of toxic proportion. Exactly. And you can begin to heal on your own, which is, quite frankly, where most people need to be yes. if they're going through toxicity. Um, I think there's so much power in being alone. And, you know, I had to go through this on my own because I kept bouncing from relationship to relationship to relationship, seeking, like you said, affirmation from other people or fulfillment from other people, validation from other people. And in reality, when I spent enough time alone and I actually did the work, I went to the retreat center and I went to therapy and we went through all of these, you know, processes within the program. I realized that I am enough and I am worthy and I don't need to stand for other people's shit. Yes, exactly. But it can happen on a relationship where, when there's a toxicity and both are willing, willing to, yes. to change the dance. It's beautiful, too, because then the two people willing to... We've seen that, too. Yes, you know, it, it, it all sorts of outcome it happens. But that, that, that's one of the outcomes, too, when both people are willing to work on a new dance and it's so, so beautiful. It's yeah. a healthier dance. You're learning together. And, you know, it's your, it's your birthright. You don't have to live a toxic, uh, unhappy drama life. You know, it's it's your birthright to be happy yeah. and to live a healthier life, a healthier existence. And yeah, just think of, you know, whoever is listening to us, if you have been raised on a lot of drama at home with fights or screaming or a lot of persecution, you know, you will tend to recreate that drama. And that's why sometimes for people, like, I don't even know what peace means. Well, because inside, they don't even know what that means. Yeah, you know, and they they're going to be longing for that pattern and for that repetition, recapitulation of the. And when they find it, they might like I did. Remember, we yeah, we did weird. sessions on this. Exactly. When I found peace, I was bored. Yeah, right. I was so bored right. because right. he's like, "This is so weird." Yeah, like I'm not getting into arguments. <laughs> I'm not getting into fights. There's like no, something must be yeah. missing. Like, no drama. Something's kid, missing. That little kid inside <laughs> of you is like. What's happening? What's, what's happening? Yeah, weird. Like, it's <laughs> not weird. I don't, I don't recognize this. Uh, uh, like this red, let's see, six, the red, like, the yeah. sirens. Are, and it's crazy because when you grow up in that environment, and I had a, I had wonderful parents, right? But even in my childhood, I experienced drama and sure. toxicity. And so it's like... Um, it's addictive. Yeah, it's addictive. And so I continued to be in that addiction. However, I would never see any red flags. Right. I was completely oblivious and blind to them. I would get in toxic relationships, stay in toxic relationships. Everybody else around me is like, bro, what the hell are you doing? Yes. And then when I finally find peace in a very healthy relationship, red flags and sirens are going crazy because I'm like, this is weird. I don't know what this is. Yes, exactly. And I tell people to get what you've never had. Oh, you know, there's a quote. I'm not sure who wrote it, but (laughs) to get what you've never had, you must do what you've never done. Right. So I always tell, you know, the young people that come in and they're looking for for, uh, you know, romance or a partner. And I tell them, you know, look for something you haven't looked before because if what you've had before hasn't worked for you, then it's time to look for something else. Yeah. Well, I'll never forget something you told me. I was like, you know, I've been seeing this girl and she's really <laughs> cute and everything's cool, but like, she's not really my type. And the first thing you said to me, I'll remember it forever. Look at where your type has gotten you. Exactly. Thank God she's not your type. Exactly. Because your type is toxic. Yes. <laughs> that road is so familiar. Yes. And it will crash in the end. Oh. It will be painful. My mom called me and uh, she she goes, you know, your father and I, we've been praying for you. And we really hope that you find a nice girl. We're believing that you're going to find a nice girl. And, you know, I just had to tell you, you have this thing where you really love these exotic women. But <laughs> I have to tell you, Andrea. These exotic women tend to come with exotic problems. That's <laughs> my fit right along. And she was like, I think you should go to church and find a nice man. <laughs> and one thing that I, like, I would like to address, like, by all means, we are, when we do this work, a lot of yeah. people get a little, a little like, concerned because we're not judging parents or our parents or shaming parents. So none of that is part of our work. It's far from me. We don't, we don't, we don't bring judgment into it. But it's important to know what has what happened in your life, what had happened when you were a little kid. And many times we forget, mm-hmm. but what they're stored, it's so important because then you can put the pieces together. Right. And then you say, okay, this is where I come from. This is where I stand right now. 
and I get to choose where I want to go. Wow. Exactly. It's all the director of your life. When, once you are aware of so many things and you're really like willing to change things, you're like, okay, this path brought me here. Yeah. Beautiful. And Beautiful gift. Be accepting of it. Yeah. Accepting all of that. And, but okay, now I am the creator. Myself, nobody else. And why do I want to create in my life? And it's up to you. But it's bringing that that awareness of your past for sure. Well, and I think also, um, and I think this is something, you both have mentioned this, but when you look at the past and look at individuals who played a very impactful role, whether it be positive or negative, as if you were looking at a little child version of themselves. Yes. So, you know, what really helped me was when I was growing up, first of all, my dad, fantastic dad, loving, caring, giving, but he also had a very angry side to him that used to come out a lot when I was a child and that imprinted me and negatively impacted a lot of my relationships moving forward. And so he, uh, when I, when I think about him now, I think of like him as a little child, exactly having a temper tantrum. That's exactly what he was doing, you know? And I'm like, and when I think about it in that manner, instead of being angry at him, instead of like hating him for some of the things that he said or some of the things that he did, I look on it with him empathy and love and passion exactly because i'm like wow he was really like going through something and this is just a hurt child exactly and those lessons that he gave you because they're all lessons have made you the man you are today exactly so what a beautiful so dad if you're watching i'm very grateful for you i love you thank you (laughs) and mom and mom of course i wouldn't be anywhere without my mother they did the best they could yeah did the best they could with the tools they have with the awareness they had and and from now on we we're not a victim of that yeah. But we hold the responsibility to now change whatever it is that we want to. So we were 18, like the law says, we're their responsibility. But after 18, it's it's time for you to figure it out. Yeah. Step up and figure it out. And I think that this is a great step. So, um, you know, I think part of figuring it out is really gaining a better understanding of yourself. Not only where you are now and who you are, but where you've come from, because that def- that honestly defines you. But it doesn't have to define your future. Exactly. It defines where you are right now. And so with that being said, you know, I definitely think letting go was super impactful for me. Letting go weekend. And, yeah. and it's super easy to sign up. You can just go to our website, which is tapestryoftheheart.com. And there's um, two weekends. Uh, I think it's the first weekend in August and the last weekend. Yeah, you can just whatever is bad. And, you, yeah. and after letting go weekend is where like this whole deep, really deep, what like, starts with called awakening of the heart. That's where Drew is, is yep. right now. And that is an amazing transformational work. Amazing. amazing. You know, the, the first couple of months were like very slow and it was like just, we could do another episode on this yeah. going in shock. Oh, yeah, this right. definitely another one. Because yes, like, sure. as you start bringing up a lot of these things from your past, a lot of people go in shock. And for me, and my shock was like, I would just go to sleep. Yes, you would. <laughs> I would. I would just knock yeah, out. I and I, that happened in your office several times. We're doing some type of work and I'm out. Yeah, I have to get all the ice that's in my refrigerator. And, come. and so I think when people are talking about this, they can go into shock, which is what kept happening to me. And there's certain things that they can do to get out of the shock. I think that's the, that should be the next um, topic that okay. we touch on uh, because a normal human spends 85% of the day in shock. Wow. And there's you know, different types of shock. That's it's a huge. And yeah. that's, and that's the, your nervous, nervous, um, autonomous nervous system acting autonomic, like, you know, with the, all the past experiences you had and it's the defense mechanism to not to feel you go into shock into you go into that part of your brain that takes over and, and perceives things as a threat. So you're in fighter not safe anymore. And it depends on where, which one you go, parasympathetic or sympathetic okay. shock. But I, I guess if you want to, we can explain a little bit now or we can, or in detail. No, I think that we could save that for another one. Yeah. Because, I mean, if people aren't, if people aren't doing the work, they're not going to, yeah. well, you said 85% of their day they spend in shock anyways. Yeah. Yes. But it's a good awareness for people for sure. Yeah. So I think, you know, having some awareness of going into shock is huge. It is. Um, that happened to me. It still happens. That happened last week. Last week. Yeah. That yeah. Show, and yeah, we I had to bring out the ice again. Nine seven months into this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seven. come on. This to me, it's amazing. Our nervous system is like, just like so sacred. And our body too, because yeah. our body carries all the imprints. Wow. Uh, but Drew, I do have to tell you, I'm super proud of you. Yeah. Thank you. The, the you change, are. the transformation that you've done in the last year that I've been seeing you is, is, uh, is amazing. It's beautiful. 
And to me, it's very healing to me to watch that. Is the reason that I love doing is I heal when my clients heal. Well, I'm very grateful for both of you because, like we always say, if we could have taken a picture before and after, yeah, you know, and it's funny because I don't see it. Yeah, but I'm sure what is it on your daily lives? You see it, right? On your, on your. Oh, with my ability to manage your relationships on your on your work. Well, no, that's where you see the change in you. Yeah, your daily life. Little things here and there that you feel like, wow, look what I did. That's true. Like in my past, Drew would be like completely different. Oh my God. Right. So for me also, I feel very honored that to Thank be you. part of it and witness that. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. The center has been transformative. I'm very grateful for you two, you know, creating it. Um, and also the relationships that I've made as a result of it. I mean, these are people from all walks of life. Yes. There's, we've got a heart surgeon and we yeah. have a firefighter yeah. and we have uh, all sorts of uh, chefs and like, you know, so fish and doctors. Yeah. So there's all these different characters, so to speak. And it's really interesting because regardless of how different every single individual person's life may be, their experiences, their past, where they came from, all of us are on the same journey. Yes. We all go through the same thing. We all experience a victim triangle and we're all in search of healing. Yes, and that's the beauty of group work. Okay, we live in community. You don't live in an island alone by yourself. And so you're going to have to, you do come into contact daily with people. And that's the beauty of doing uh, group work. Yes. And to understand um, that we all have the same issues. We all, you know, have shame and uh, we all have fears. And and so that's the beauty of doing group work. And and you hold each other and you make beautiful uh, lifelong friendships, which is such a, a sweet yeah, we, we invite you all that are listening to participate and sometimes it can be a little fearful, like, like oh my God, but group to, to be vulnerable in front of people that you've never been, but it's the center, the tapestry, the heart center is such an amazing environment and so safe and trustworthy. Yeah, and, and you you will see how beautiful it is just to start doing the work. And if you want to go deeper, the retreat, I think so just a little bit to talk about the awakening of the heart, yeah. the, the new format we're doing it's a seven months program which is a, a weekend per month and we stay there in retreat from friday to sunday and every weekend is a theme and the group goes together and it's amazing well you know yes. and in order to get there that's the one you have to do letting go letting weekend. you need to go to letting go first yes once you've gone through the letting go weekend now you qualify to be able to to register for register for the awakening the awakening of the heart yeah. and it's a small group so like if you're willing to do, come. Yeah, and Awakening of the Heart is amazing. And this isn't just for women. No. I think a lot of people, because there's so many like- uh, Yeah, so many men. Masculine. Yes, they have this, uh, they they, they can cry or show emotion. Like this is weak being like that. And lately we're getting a lot of men and I welcome it. Well, there's a difference between, you know, um, feeling your emotions and suppressing them and acting out of emotion because a lot of men are acting out of anger. A lot of men are acting, they're persecuting yeah. or they're victimizing yeah, right. or they're even rescuing, you know, and they're stuck in this triangle. And for me, it's, I see men go through this all the time. And more importantly, and this is a whole nother episode, and I touch on this a lot, is a lot of men feel weak, sad, unfulfilled, and broken because they're not chasing their purpose. Exactly. Right. But the problem that I realized was, how are you going to even know your purpose if you don't know who you are exactly. and you don't know yourself? And on the, the default mechanism of dealing with the sadness, with the fear, with the shame is the anger right. for most of the men because they don't know exactly how to even feel wow. sadness or even cry. So they just go to anger right away. Right. Yeah. So you might not even feeling anger on that moment, but that's how you, the shortcut is like, I'm going to get angry because that's what I, I know. My mom used to say something to my dad all the time and she used to say, you know, Jean, you have a toolbox. And she's yeah. like, and there's different things, different projects that you need to do. One of them requires a screw. One of them requires a this, a tweezers. But you always reach for the hammer. She's like, how do you always reach for the hammer is the anger. Let's reach in our toolbox of emotions. And you bring up the hammer for every function. Exactly. And I'm glad you mentioned that toolbox because that's what we do at the center. Yeah. We give you tools uh, to be able to navigate life in an easier, more fulfilling, and more peaceful way. Yeah. By bringing awareness to them and then teaching people how to use them. Exactly. So it's like we all have a toolbox and I might have a flathead screwdriver in here, but I've never used it. I don't even know what it is because I, I'm used to grabbing the hammer. You're scared to touch it. Yeah. I don't even want it to. I don't even want to go there. Leave it there. And some people don't even touch the hammer because they just don't want to feel anything. Exactly. 
I mean, life brings, you know, some problems and high ups and downs. And you, you have tools and resources to deal with navigating in a healthier way. Why not? Yeah. Why always to be, it doesn't have to be painful all the time. Now, even healing, even transformation can be so gentle and so beautiful. And that's so the then you don't have to get the, you know, something. If you don't do anything, life will give you like, yep. I'm going to and then you like the either wake up or you go back to your survival mode, the zombie mode. Well, a lot of people are just allowing life to take them like a feather through the wind. Exactly. And and why not give yourself the gift of healing, of being a, a, a best version of yourself, a better version of yourself? Why not? So that you could take control, but not have the need for control. Not the cool man. Take charge. Like take charge. You're responsible for your life. I, like I tell them, either you learn to take charge or those little kids inside you are going to take charge. Mm. And I don't know about you, but I don't want my three-year-old out there throwing oh. tantrums. No, that's true. Like we always say in the center, instead of making a left, make a right. Yeah. Turn right, see what happens. Yeah. So it might be a risk in the beginning, it might be a little, but it's it's worth it. Yep. You are worth it. We are, or we are worth it. That's why we're here to learn. I agree. Thank you, Drew. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so much. Well, I am very grateful for you. I appreciate you coming. Um, I am, you know, honest when I say that this would not have happened had it not been for the healing that we've done at the center, um, giving me the confidence to be able to even do this. Uh, and you know, I, I had the provision, but I was kind of squandering it. Right. And so the ability to redirect that into a more impactful way has been everything. So I'm grateful for, you know, your impact in my life. And, um, I'm very grateful that you guys are both in your purpose, uh, and you're helping other people. Yes. And a part of your life mission. So before uh, we end, I'd love for you to tell people where they could find you. Okay. Um, if you want to share, you know, whether it be your personal Instagram or the Instagram for the center, um, and then also any other website, uh, let people know where they can register for okay. uh, Letting Go Weekend. Yeah. So I mentioned it before, which was at um, tapestryoftheheart.com. Okay. And there you can register for Letting Go Weekend. And if you want to see us privately in the office, my office is in Miami Lakes. Monica's office is in Coral Gables. You can also set an appointment through the website. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah no, no, we'd be not, not really, but we can maybe put the information because <laughs> it's my cell phone and, and it says no appointments there because it, I get, tend to get very booked. But we can maybe put the information there. Yeah. But definitely tapestryoftheheart.com and Instagram or Facebook, Facebook or, or, or even the, the website has carries all the information and the registrations form for awesome. letting go weekend. All right. Well, thank you so much. Andrew Drew for having me. Oh, of course. Thank you. Uh, thank you again for tuning in to Planted Moves. It's been a pleasure having you. I hope you've gotten a lot out of this episode. Uh, we've enjoyed having you. Please tune into the next one. And if you have not yet done so, please like, subscribe, share this with a friend if you think it could be impactful for them on their journey. And we'll see you on the next one. 